Welcome to the PR Resolution Podcast. I'm your host, Stella. In each episode, I interview an expert in an emerging area of public relations. I aim to bring you all of the facts, but where possible, leave out the jargon. It's a podcast about communications and marketing, but it's very much in plain language. If you have any comments, questions, or suggestions on who I should be interviewing, leave it in the comments or connect with me on Twitter. I'm at Stella Bales. And don't forget to subscribe. We're on Spotify, iTunes, and on YouTube. So without further ado, let's get to the next episode. Hello. At the time that this episode's going out, we have just started Measurement Month 2022. I'm sure a lot of you do know what that is, but if you're unsure, it's really a time that everyone gets a chance to level up on their knowledge around measuring communications. It's set up by AMEC, A-M-E-C, which is the Association of Measurement and Evaluation for Communications. (laughs) It's a time when they encourage all of their members to share their best practice, case studies and knowledge, but with everybody and the best part is all of those events and the content most of it is free there's some events that are paid for but really most of it is free so it's a great opportunity over the next four weeks to go and learn but before you go and rush off to the AMIC website and sign up to all of those webinars, I invite you to stay with me for the next half an hour because I'm interviewing the Global Managing Director of AMIC, the lovely Jonna Burke. Jonna is going to share some of the highlights over the next four weeks, the things that you can learn, and she really does get into some of the details, some of the challenges, which I'm sure and I know some of you are experiencing, um, and we will pinpoint and navigate those different events for you to sign up to. So do stick with me. Jonna also goes into some of her own experiences and past challenges of evaluation and measurement from her roles where she was the public relations and investor relations director of Fortune 500 company. You can just imagine the kind of measurement that was involved there. Um, but for now, I'm just really pleased that Jonna is in that position at Amec, where she is really is the perfect person to go between their amazing board of academics, making sure that the standards just keeps raising, but then bringing that and making that accessible to everybody in PR. And this next four weeks is really a great opportunity for you to gain some of that knowledge. Here's Jonna. Welcome to the PR Resolution Podcast. I'm so happy to finally have you on. I'm so happy to be here. It is such a pleasure. And during Measurement Month, one of the favorite podcasts because you so often feature wonderful AMEC members, which I love to celebrate, and their great stories of success in what they're doing. So this is a true community experience that is a, a joy. Thank you for all of the work that you do. I think it's amazing. Oh, that's very nice. I think if anyone actually did do any kind of mention analysis over the podcast, AMEC would be mentioned <laughs> more than most other terms and words or acronyms. But it means that we believe in it. I guess for anybody not aware of what AMEC is, I will say Association of Measurement and Evaluation for Communications. But could you give us a little bit of background about what AMEC does and then also what Measurement Month is all about? Absolutely. So AMEC is an association, as Stella said, really of organizations committed to best practices and to working to help elevate the comms and PR professional to be able to prove the value and the effectiveness of their communication and of their efforts. And a couple of the ways that we do this is through education and through 
We have some free programs. We have some paid programs. We have a certificate program for those people who have gone through university and now want to upskill specifically on this discipline. We have other programs that are for introductory level professionals who are coming in. They also serve as a great refresher that people can do on demand. And really, probably the thing that we're most known for in order to support those education efforts are the resources at Amex. And we have made a decision to make those free to the community at large, even though they are really only possible based on the members of Amex and that support that people put towards them. So that's why we get a real priority to try to figure out how we can help promote the good work of members who are making that commitment, who are making that investment into making these resources possible and sustaining them. And a couple of resources that people will be familiar with, hopefully, are the Barcelona Principles that originated in 2010 in, yes, Barcelona. And it was really these seven foundations that aren't meant to be the end-all be-all because we are based in the UK and because we have very dedicated academic advisory groups, we don't use the word standard to talk about them, but they are really principles. But if you are starting a program and initiating a program rooted in those principles that have now been updated two additional times, most recently in 2020, that's going to give you a foundation of being able to put forward a program that can be measured can demonstrate effectiveness and can show what's working and what's not working in your comms and PR efforts. And so many times, and I think, Sally, you and I maybe met the very first time at a PRSA conference where, you know, as we talk to the average PR professional, they're just trying to sort through how do I show ROI? How am I showing that what I'm doing is worth my retainer, is worth my staff, is worth these things? And so many times that isn't a silver bullet. That isn't a silver bullet question. And it definitely isn't a silver bullet answer. And being able to have these resources like the Barcelona principles, like the integrated evaluation framework, the IEF that is broadly used to be able to help people navigate an integrated approach, like the measurement maturity mapper that helps people know where they are and then how they can upskill from a basic to an advanced measurement program. Those are the keys. People have to then commit to demonstrating and being honest with themselves about the numbers, about the data, about what they're looking at to be able to get to that point. But first and foremost, we see that there's this big gap of just send me the data that you have. No, that's where people get absolutely paralyzed because they aren't starting with an objective. And so without a smart or smarter objective, everything thrown in dilutes the value of those pieces that can really demonstrate what's working and what's not working. But it really does require this broader understanding of what are those intersecting pieces throughout the PESO model? What's going on in paid? What's going on in your earned? What's going on in your shared? And what's going on in your owned properties? Having a background in PR and in marketing, I can say that we all know advertising works, marketing works, PR works, internal comms works, but they all work exponentially better when they are aligned and when they are speaking to each other and when there are findings or outliers, 
they can all adapt to understand the stakeholder, the messaging pull through. And then that's what gets them away from just activities and outputs to then outtakes, outcomes, and insight. And that's really the only path forward to be able to be credible at a data table for PR and comms professionals. The thing that I love about measurement month, which we're in right now, we're recording this on the second day of measurement month. What I like about this is that it really tries to open the doors and get everybody involved and not just people who are academics or people who are specialized in measurement. And I know that's often it can be quite daunting when a PR practitioner who's really involved in the activation of public relations has to navigate through all of these new terminologies, all of these different tools and frameworks. It can be quite daunting, but that's really what Measurement Month's about, isn't it? Saying it's not just for the academics. Here's a first step. Am I right? And what can people expect in Measurement Month, if that's the case? No, you are right, Stella. And I think the thing that's important to understand is we have a wonderful academic advisory group that we work with so that we don't stray too far afoot from all of the best practices and from the language that is important. It is important when I hear other groups talk about standards and like, is it a best practice? Because a standard has a very specific educational and academic definition that surprisingly fewer and fewer things meet that rigor. And so that's why we try to be very careful and consistent with being able to set some of those expectations for comms pros about these are principles, these are best practices, This is something that you can take and adapt, but using standards is that next step that I'm grateful to our academic advisor group that they're a little tough with us because I never want us to lead people astray and then have them have a false sense of something to where they stop being strong in the fundamentals and rooted in those, because that's really where things can start and end to go very badly. But Mm -hmm. measurement month originally, I think this is our seventh year of measurement month, I will say called measurement month in quotes, because it originally started as measurement week. And of course, that was not enough because it never is. Truth be told, I wrestle with there's only one measurement month and we've already etched into opening act information in October. And we have encore presentations already set for December. The proof is in the programming that a single month is never enough, but that's also consistent with what we see. And measurement isn't something that you can just visit at the beginning and visit at the end of a campaign. It used to be when it was the old report card methodology. But the more professionals use measurement and evaluation as a GPS along the way to be able to show, ooh, don't take this route, there's an accident. Take this route, it's going to be faster, there's no tolls. The better we navigate that way, it's encoded into everything that we're doing. And so it isn't just an event, it is the DNA and the ecosystem of everything that we're trying to do. The spirit of Measurement Month, though, is that AMEC members specifically lead the charge, like Coverage Book, to come forward and produce free events open to everyone, not just their customers, not just anyone else, but open to everyone. I think that November is such a good time to host this collection of events because obviously people are thinking even if they're not in a an evaluation and measurement role full time, they're definitely starting to think about it as we approach the end of the year of end of year reports. It's always a busy time, but also it just 
uh, hopefully does plant some new seeds of thought and maybe some change of opinion about how they are doing things ready for next year. We really do need to look at over time data to see the true impact. And so what better time to revise KPIs and metrics in January ready for a year ahead? I think November is important because there's also, this is when a lot of planning for the next year is taking place. And I'm very thankful to Gemma Maroney now at for putting together the planning primer that we also have and offer free on the website. For anybody who's struggling, she's outlined some great case studies that now support the kind of planning efforts that are also incorporated in the IEF at the front. So really it is that full balance of planning to impact that you can demonstrate using that singular tool. Gemma's fantastic. Absolutely love Gemma and the work that they do at Shook. Braving fans. Yeah, Yeah. braving fans. Okay, so we've got lots of different events which people can look at the calendar in November, but there's also on the 17th of November, I know that there's uh, the Amec Awards. I know that you can't really reveal exactly who's won or (laughs) anything, but of of the shortlist, which we have seen, is there any sort of highlights or any trends in measurement that you can share with us? So, yes, this will not be the place where we reveal the winners. <laughs> oh, I know. That's I, <laughs> I, I appreciate the ask, but I will say that the thing that we're seeing is those entries that are able to demonstrate impact and that are doing interesting things with data. They're able to do that because they're integrated. They're able to do that is because they have advanced beyond just a media relations purview and they're understanding how that works with their search. They're understanding how that works with their owned assets. They're understanding better what some of those social implications are to what their organization is incorporating in their ESG model, in their purpose. And so It's no longer a, oh, these are the groups that had measurement campaigns. These are the counts. These are the amounts. But it's, here's the problem that the client brought to us. Here's the problem that the organization faced. Here's the challenge. Here's the goal. And here's how we were able to navigate that using all of the assets in our quiver of being able to demonstrate the effectiveness of communication. Mm -hmm. And I say this every year, but it is true is that Every year, I'm always surprised at the things that people are putting forward, the interesting thinking that's going into how to solve some of these challenges that people are facing. And the other unfortunate consistency is that I don't see anything that is, and I look every year for that magic bullet, but it is something that is replicable in phases. But unless you have the exact same objective, it would never be the exact same data source. It would never be the exact same game plan that you would put forward. And unless you had a time machine and went back, even with that objective, even with that data to the exact same environment that people are in, I just don't think it's replicable in that way. I was I had a look through the shortlist because I, I like to see great examples. I don't think we see enough great shared examples in our industry. I, I love seeing shortlists of seeing what's worked well and what hasn't. I saw that H&K and Ketchum are in there, which look great. I'm really looking forward to finding out a bit more about their campaigns. But the majority of the shortlist did feel like it was 
evaluation or measurement specialists or teams and I guess when we're thinking about measurement month it's about trying to encourage people to be better I guess my question is do you think that H&K and Ketchum are in there and some of those bigger agencies because they have specialist teams how can people get better at that sort of level of measurement that we're seeing I think there are other agencies obviously like Bolin they also have a specialty team that is focused on that but I think it has to be a conscious choice of the business to make that a priority if you are going to rise to the level of the best of the best. Yeah. And that's really what the AMEC Awards are the Global Effectiveness of Communication Awards, which is the best of the best. So it isn't enough just to submit a campaign and rejigger some of the data that you use. It is demonstrating from beginning to end that measurement is a part of all of that. And so I think that's why you see some of those larger agencies that you're referencing on the shortlist. But I would say that there are a lot of groups that are doing interesting things like IXADIA. There's a lot of, when you look at the clients, of the measurement and evaluation firms. That's always the thing that inspires me to see these organizations who are making this a priority and a third-party endorsed priority of Mm. not saying, checking their own homework, like, oh yeah, we've got our report. So yeah, we're doing good. But to really drill down into those insights. And so I think that's where you see that deeper element. Methods and Mastery is one that has been on the scene for a few years, coming forward and doing some interesting things. It's There's a lot of those elements that I think it has to be part of their core and of their values. But I think there are, even in the entries, you'll see that even through some of the evaluation firms, they're working with other boutique and midsize agencies that are feeding data into that platform. And that's what allows them to do the deeper dive to the analysis and the insights. And so everyone has a place within that and everyone can't have a separate dedicated department at this point. But I think if you aren't looking at it as something that has to be a part of everything that you're doing and having a friend in marketing, having a friend in advertising, having a friend in the CFO to make sure that you understand the value of how your organization makes and spends money, then you'll always be at that kind of panic to justify your existence as opposed to being able to demonstrate the value of the investment that the organization is making in communication and how you're able to move that needle. Like you say that, it's just, it, it, even if it's not, you're not part of a big global group agency, if you're making it a priority, you can get to those levels. I know that smoking guns, an example of smaller agency, independent agency, pretty sure they're independent, but I know that they've been working with Steph Bridgman and have pretty sure of won measurement awards and I'm sure I'll get corrected on this but I know that I've seen some amazing case studies from those guys on their measurement because they decided to make it a priority and really got into their data points and, and uh, measured over time so yeah it's like you say it's making it a priority and getting the right people in place working they worked with Steph who's external but worked on different projects and and it worked really well for them so it doesn't have to be data specialists interestingly though i've just been working on a project but i'm not i don't know if it's not out yet but it's looking at the data literacy across our industry and just to see what is the best in this area whether you should invest in data experts who might not be pr experts or invest in training in pr practitioners what's your opinion on that do you think you need 
you know, data people who might not have a PR background brought into public relations? Or do you think that we should be training PR practitioners up more in, in data and measurement? This podcast is brought to you by CoverageBook, the tool that creates beautifully designed reports with credible metrics you can be proud of. Head to coveragebook.com for your free trial. This may or may not surprise you, but I believe the hybrid approach is the best and most effective (laughs) because I think there are elements, especially of reputation, that if you have someone who doesn't have PR training and doesn't understand that stakeholder the factors that go into managing the reputation of an organization, it can very easily turn into a counts and amounts raw numbers game that isn't that qualitative layover of what you're trying to do. Mm. And I think there needs to be the challenges for the PR professional of being that internal contrarian that when they share that data, when they give access to that data to a third-party analyst, Then being able to ask questions of correlations, to ask questions of anomalies, to ask questions of outliers of the people working with that data, to then be able to probe so that before they're presenting that to the C-suite, they've vetted through all of those asterisks that should appear in their report. So they don't send something off. The worst feeling I get is when I talk to people about, and they're like, oh yeah, this is who we use. And They send us this report, and so this is what we submit to our C-suite. Okay, how much time did you spend talking with them about your goals and objectives? Okay, so you're sending them these numbers with no qualitative call-outs, with no kind of overview of what this means for your organization, and you don't understand why you don't have credibility when it comes to demonstrating the value of your work and why you have, I mean, a CFO to ask, just give me a number with a dollar sign in front of it. I don't know of a more exasperating request or a more frustrating environment than them saying, listen, I don't want your 70 page PowerPoints that mean nothing to our business. Like they don't correlate with anything else. That they're, so just give me a number. Just that's not... It's not a collaborative tone. <laughs> it's trust and a good relationship. And I think those people that that look at that of and they feel that panic and that angst, that's their opportunity. And they have to have that strength to say, here's what I do know that we're doing. Here's where, you know, this is a real cost when we don't have all of our FAQs up to date and we don't have the dark site tested and running that when there is a crisis that then changes. So our renewals go down. Our customer service then has overtime. So if they aren't looking at those elements of the business and able to have that conversation with the CFO of, hey, here are these areas where we intersect. Help me understand you're measuring that. And then I can say, okay, here's how comms can contribute to that or does contribute to that already. And here are the shifts. Even bounce rates on pages where they have FAQs can be a very powerful thing when people go into crisis to understand If you have 20 FAQs and your bounce rate on that page is 32 seconds, guess what? Your FAQs are ineffective and no one is listening. They're probably picking up a phone or going to a chat, overwhelming your customer service. That isn't something that's going to be demonstrated and just give me a number with a dollar sign. And it's tough. There's one extreme example. And I think we also have to understand what earned means all over the world. 
We call it earned because it is published in a publication, but in many parts of the world, that's still a pay to play model. And if you aren't contracting with a partner in a certain part of the world and they aren't explaining that to you and you're incorporating that in earned, again, skewing the data. Why is our earned coverage so much better in this part of the world than the other? It's because we're paying for it. Mm. It's advertorial more than earned coverage. But if you aren't working hyper-local with some of those teams, you won't know that and you won't understand that. And mm. and it's where times in exasperation when people are saying, we just need a number. That's ludicrous. Why don't you just put a dollar sign or a pound sign in front of impressions? That wouldn't be accurate. Correct. It's equally as ludicrous to act like any number arbitrary that has no foundational in replicability yeah. is valid and accurate without being able to do that. Yeah, absolutely. It came up as a question actually in the webinar just now. I used an example of how one customer uses the estimated views as a proxy for impressions and then calculates a CPM to be able to have a some kind of comparison to pays and owned. And somebody asked, are you going to be adding that to coverage book? And it's like, no, you do that if that feels right for your organization, but it's so not right for loads of other organizations. It's just an example as much as there could be lots of other ways to get to some kind of value. Your point on the beginning there when you were saying just have a conversation with different areas of the business. I think that often in PR, and I know that I've certainly felt this in years gone by, where you don't feel confident in numbers or data sometimes. But what we can be confident in most of the time in public relations is that we are good at building relationships. So we're good at talking to people. So you just have that confidence and be as transparent and honest and open as possible and then start those conversations because they really can lead to some great places, can't they? Absolutely. And we need to stop having this, for, for PR and comms especially, stop having this inferiority complex. I don't know if you follow Augustine Fu on LinkedIn, but he was a speaker at our summit this year. And he basically dispels all of the bloat that exists in advertising numbers. And so it's it's important for people to understand that as much as they, oh, our numbers aren't as high as marketing or our numbers are different than advertising. And they should be. They're targeting different people, different stakeholders potentially in different forums, in different areas. You are targeting them in earned coverage, in events, in reputation, in things. So that data should be different. But to pretend as if that's only a struggle for PR is grossly misleading. And I would encourage everyone to have the confidence when they're building those relationships to understand what that baseline is for their organization, mm. for how much they're spending on advertising, for how much they're spending on marketing, what those investments are. And where those intersecting points are with all of their comms and how they're aligned, because PR is not a unique case for that. And the more we act like it, it becomes this kind of self-fulfilling prophecy of we can't do this. You can. It's not something that you get off the shelf. It's something that you have to look at a formula like you're talking about. For some people, when they know that they can use those estimations, maybe for their organization that works because they can see there's attribution across their other model that demonstrates that's a good, consistent delta for them. If that's not the case for everyone, though, that's why you can't roll that out in some broader way, because that isn't going to be the case. There are still plenty of organizations who they might have news coverage in the Wall Street Journal, but if 100 people in the industry move the needle for them, you better believe 
they're looking at those hundred people, what they say, what they do, how they act and how they lead to be able to manage that, not in that broader scale. Oh, that effect. And a favorite is an impression does not mean anyone was impressed. There is a real important part of people that they need to get their ego checked on that too, that the larger those numbers are, that's why we call them vanity metrics because they inflate some sense of self. And so it's always fun to me when you just, so, you know, a lot of these people, they're in here because they don't like numbers. They don't like math. You know, they don't like math. They like numbers because the majority of the people that I talk to, they can talk, oh, well, what, you know, what podcasts are you listening to? Oh, I listen to this one and they have 1 million followers. So they aren't afraid of numbers. They know the numbers that create that influence effect, but they aren't good at the math. And so that's what gives them that sense of, gosh, I don't know how to work with pivot tables to make sure that all of this data is in sync. So that's why they need a staff. That's why they need that external party who can take and correlate that data for them. But they need to be a lot more confident because those concerns and those disparities in data exist all across the peso model and to think or say differently is a big mistake. So knowledge builds power and confidence, right? So let's share with some people what they can attend over the next few weeks to try and build that confidence and how they can learn. We've mentioned Steph Bridgman a couple of times. She's involved in, in, in at least one event, isn't she? And I thought it might be fun actually to test your knowledge of the events that are going on over the next couple of weeks, Jonna. <laughs> Fair because this may or may not surprise you that everyone does not have them submitted on the calendar. <laughs> Slightly unfair, but I think, yes, yeah, Steph is one of our international board directors and she's doing a forum with Anne Gregory, who recently published her latest book, which should be a must read for everyone because it really is talking about strategic communication. And that's that where you build that value proposition in for all of those tactics and activities that you're doing is to taking that strategic lens. And I think Anne has done an amazing job at being able to boil that somewhat overwhelming concept down for the average professional to give them a good guide and a good roadmap of how to be able to be effective there. And so I'm looking forward to that conversation with Steph and Anne. I think we have some interesting content that's being developed by members. Bull Intel is doing something around crisis campaigns and crisis measurements specifically that I think is always one of those interesting efforts because like we say, there is that immediate effect of data of how you need to react, what you need to do, but there's that long tail effect of the impact to reputation that mm -hmm. can't be in that piece in order to really demonstrate that you're doing the right things and that you're someone who is trusted. I think when we see things like the I know that one of the, I can say one of the most heavily cited sources that we will probably hear about during measurement month is always the Edelman trust barometer. Because when we look at trust, especially in politicians, in media, in elements, that has an effect on the weighting that people will use on their earned coverage. And we are seeing this shift from certain earned outlets and how they're going to manage and navigate misinformation, disinformation, and propaganda throughout. So I think there are a lot of interesting content pieces that are coming forward. I know we have Karma who's doing a couple of events. Our past chair, Richard Bagnall, is always a champion of measurement throughout and has a strong team that he mentors through this process that they are an example of people who do a really great job of uncovering some of those assets 
that you can identify in some of those case studies. We have the CIPR measurement panel next week, which is going to include yourself. It's also going to include Daryl Sperry of Hard Numbers, also an (laughs) And looking at those pieces, when you're building an agency called Hard Numbers, you really have to have a belief in what you're doing and then it can be done. We also have our academics and educators team from SCORE, also in India, who's doing something really interesting, a contest with their students around what their measurement knowledge is now and how that's going to work. So we can look forward to some content from that next generation of where they are giving us some interesting benchmarking data of our own with this next generation of what we need to do as opposed to the tried and true, doing this for 30 plus years, seen it all, done it all. Let's wait for the next AI bot to come and explode in front of us type of thing. And so I think there is a good balance. We are also going to see some content around AI and some of those implications. And I think that speaks right to the Barcelona principles of that quantitative and qualitative, that there are things that AI is really good at, and it's that heavy lift and that heavy counts, but it still does take for accuracy, that human element to go in and give and layer in some of that context of what that really means to an organization. And whether that's a third-party partner or whether that's someone on the team who is intimately involved and understands what those trend lines can mean, but everyone needs to get started. And that's what Measurement Month should encourage them to do. I was going to ask some of those events are more targeted to different levels or different areas of PR. But actually, I think all of the areas that you've just talked about do feel quite relevant, no matter what level you are or what vertical you might be sat in with in your PR role, especially the first one that you were talking about around reputation and crisis and trust, that when I first started in PR 20 years ago, that was a department down the way when I first started at H&K. And, oh, yeah. Oh, God, you look very stressed. I'm going to carry on with my nice consumer selling over here. But it's just not the case anymore, especially just with the way that everybody consumes media now. Of course, it has moved on and it should be part of everybody's practice every day. So that one does sound really interesting. Looking forward to that one. How do people find the calendar of events for them to browse? So if they go to amecorg.com and then go to events, they will see actually a separate tab just for measurement month 2022 that will list all of those events. Some of them, we will list some paid events through strategic and industry partners that we have, like PR Week has their measurement event, which is a paid event on November 15th and 16th. But November 15th is that broader scale event. You can do one or two days. And the 16th is actually essentially workshops giving more practical tips from planning to customer journey to then that kind of boot camp overview of how to create a measurement environment in your organization that's only a half day. So a lot of of things that you'll be able to find there, but the majority of the things posted by members will be free events that are open registration. And like I say, it's, it really is the beauty of the community because it isn't just for their members or for their customers, but it is for everyone. And they hope to see people who would be classified as competitors there because they want that conversation. They want to be able to show that they are supporting the industry at large and that it isn't something that is so closed off and insulated because with that insulation, it's just any bubble effect is never good. We've all seen that with algorithms and things that when they so tighten and limit our purview to things, it's easy for us to get blindsided. And that's where I think uh, AMAC members are ahead of the game because they 
do have a broader spectrum of what they're seeing and how they're seeing things evolve. That's mm -hmm. giving actionable ways to be able to help people navigate that. And one of the examples that comes up, there's there are a lot of surveys that are coming out between ECO, between PR News. PRCA had a, a US survey is about around cost about things. And within a lot of the presentations that I do, I talk about there are free premium options too. And Answer the Public is one of those that comes up quite frequently because of how it's giving people an understanding of how you're talking about something in PR, if that doesn't correlate with how people are searching for something, you need to stop. No matter how much you are in love with the way something sounds or the way you have branded something, if it isn't resonating with those stakeholders, you have to have the ability to let that go and not be overly invested in it because it sounds good to the ear, the optics of the alliteration of it. Mm -hmm. It's always quite funny when you look at how people have, uh, how your key message or your new product name or your campaign term that you've invented lands and then people are searching for it in a completely different way or different spelling. <laughs> You're like, oh, well, at least it's popular, but it's not how we spelt it. <laughs> um, <laughs> as we, I think everybody knows, even though people do keep searching for that silver bullet, there is no silver bullet, is there, with measurement. But if there's one piece of advice that you would give to PR people as they're, approaching the end of the year and thinking about 2023, what would it be? Meet with your counterparts in other divisions and create some alignment and understanding and principle about what is important for your organization and tie that to, it doesn't need to be just fundraising, but how your organization makes and spends money and challenge your team with every campaign that you are reporting in those elements of how you are impacting the organization and benefiting other departments, as well as penetrating through and creating outcomes and impact with your stakeholders. I can't uh, back that enough. That really does work. That was my turning point in measurement when I went and sat within my clients' offices and uh, physically went to the different departments and made them all join together. And that was when the measurement really did turn around. Jonna, thank you so much. It's been absolutely inspirational, this chat. And I'm sure it has been for the listeners as well. How can people follow you? How should they connect? If they want to be really disappointed, they can follow me on Instagram. <laughs> follow me on Twitter at GoJonnaB, but definitely always follow Amec Org on Twitter. And then also the Amec, the International Association for Measurement and Evaluation of Communication on LinkedIn. That's where they're going to get some of the best information. They can sign up for our newsletter they can go to the website and support that their organization is supporting the Barcelona principles. That continues to be something that once people make that commitment, it does make it real for them within their own organization because they're able to have those conversations to do that. And really to share your questions. I have this great resource, really smart thinkers about measurement and evaluation that I have the absolute pleasure and joy to be able to work with on a daily basis that those questions that are put forward taking that to these really smart people and watching that debate is inspiring something that really is my favorite part of, of my role and what I get to do. And so I encourage you, the tougher the questions, the better, but to not be afraid to ask those questions of anybody in your organization or of your friends from AMAC. And if your team is really committed to best practice, become a part of the solution of AMAC and make that a commitment 
make coming to the annual global summit every year part of your professional development for your team. Next year, we're taking the summit for the first time to North America and Miami, May 15th through the 17th. Yes, there are much worse places to be. So I would oh, yeah. <laughs> No, but it's always great debate and conversations. And when you talk about those best practices, we do try to feature a lot of those from both not for from all not-for-profits, from B2B, from B2C organizations. And the common theme is that we don't break out into silos because it really boils down to having those objectives and then that process that people take to be able to get that. And those are the things that can inspire that they can take back and say, you know what, Coke did this. I realize we're not Coke. We don't have the budget of Coke, but here's what they did that we can do. And here's where we can start to break through that. And anytime that we can provide some inspiration in giving someone the ability to break through the noise of their organization, that makes it all worthwhile. Plus you get to deal with some really smart, brave, cool people because they're talking about things that people don't understand in a forum that's that they get a lot of pushback against and they very boldly, and so I think your podcast is one of those things you very boldly are able to put those things through. And it isn't always easy because there are a lot of naysayers. There are, there is a lot of counter opinion to those things, but to be able to be brave and to be bold and to put that forward, that's inspiring. And if that doesn't help people break through that silence, the deafening silence of them forwarding reports that have no alignment to objectives, maybe career changes are in order. But I think for those people, those really strong type A's that we know that are in PR and comms, this is the challenge. And I know putting that down before them will help upskill and advance. Start your journey here. I just wanted to add as well, just to, if you're on Twitter, follow the hashtag AMECMM, so AMEC Measurement Month. That hashtag, you really will see the highlights from all of the events. Often people are tweeting during them. It's good direction. Jonna, thank you so much. It was so lovely. I can't believe this is the first interview that we've done. <laughs> I know, but what a pleasure. But it, you know what? It is such a pleasure to hear you with everyone else. I, I feel somewhat unworthy to be able to be here with you now, taking up time from some of them, but it is a pleasure to be able to get some quality time together. So thank you so much. And thank you for featuring Amec. And thank you for all of your support of Amec and Measurement Month, especially. Oh, of course. We appreciate you guys too. Okay. Thank you so much. and. Uh... I will see you at the events. (laughs) Thanks, everyone.